Brewer. Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians the third chapter. <clears throat> and look with me beginning with verse 13. Ephesians 3 and verse 13. Wherefore... I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I love Paul's prayers for people. I don't know where... Where we uh, would err if we devoted a great deal of effort and study into really how Paul prayed for people. There's really not a whole lot of secrets in the Christian life when it comes right down to it. Why does God do what he does with some people and seems to bypass maybe other People? Is it because some are more educated or maybe some are, you would think, just the younger crowd he would use more than the older crowd? I, I would think that all of us are usable or else we would not be breathing. And until God is finished with us, he's still got, he has something he wants us to do because we're still here. But I believe if we could somehow plug into this big power source called prayer, we would get a big part of the puzzle solved. Paul is praying um, throughout this book of Ephesians. In fact, in chapter number 1, if you'll turn there, in chapter number 1 of the Ephesians, Paul is praying. And here's what he prays for in the first chapter. He is praying beginning with verse 15. 15, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Verse 18 says, The eyes of your understanding being 
enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Notice back to verse number 18, where it says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. He was praying for enlightenment. That's what he said in verse number 16, making mention of you in my prayers. What were you praying for, Paul? Well, in chapter number 1, he gives them one thing after another thing after another thing that the believer has in Christ. And he tells them, I I want you to have your eyes open as to really what we have available to us. Then in chapter 3, he's still praying. In chapter number 3, he prays this way. Um... That, it says in verse number, um, uh, let's see here, verse number 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's the first of four different requests, I'll call them, that the Apostle Paul is going to pray for these Christians in Ephesus. In chapter number 1, he was praying that they would be enlightened, that they would know what they have at their disposal. In chapter number 3, he's praying for their enablement. Because you now know what you have, your eyes have been opened to it, let us now put into practice the things that we know that we have. And in so doing, he gives... Four basic requests. But these are interesting requests. They are not hanging by themselves in that there is a Greek word called henna, H-I-N-A. We call it the henna clause. When you see that in your Bible, it is a concept that connects to another concept. And it links one thought, in this case a request, to another request that produces another request and ultimately a final request. So I just want to look at some of those things that are linked together. Much like these chairs are linked together. You, uh, you've got to start somewhere, right? And uh, if you don't get the first chair right, then you're probably not going to get too successful on this side of the auditorium. They have to be connected one to the other, to the other, to the other. You can't skip any chairs if you want them all to be connected and form a row. And Paul is praying for these dear people in Ephesus. And he's saying, here's my prayer, that you'll get this concept, this request. If you get this, it will lead you to my next request, which is this. 
And he gives four basic requests here, and I want to look at them this morning. And Paul was all about praying, and he knew how to pray. It's interesting that uh, you find that in, for example, back to chapter number 1, in verse number 7, he says this in chapter 1 of verse number 7, "...in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins." according to the riches of his grace. In chapter number 2, look at verse number 7 of chapter number 2. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Chapter number 1, it's all about riches. Chapter 2, again, he mentions riches. Chapter number 3, look at verse number 8, unto me who am less than the least of all saints, in this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He said, we have so much available to us. But if you see it, that's not enough. Now that you know what you have, put it into practice. So his prayer in chapter number 3 is a practicing prayer. He's praying, yes, but he's praying that because they know now what they have in Christ, the riches, let's put shoe leather on that, as D.L. Moody once said. And he begins with something that we all are familiar with, or we should be familiar with. Because, if again, if you don't get the first chair set right, then you can't hook the second chair to it. you got to have them in a row. And the first one is very critical. And I want you to see it with me. In fact, I'm going to share all four of these that are interconnected. One leads to another. I never will forget that when I started out as a boy fishing, I had an old bamboo pole. And it was the coolest of bamboo poles, I thought, at the time. I'd never known that there was anything other than a bamboo pole. I mean, in Louisiana, that's just what you took to the pond to fish with. And uh, the thing was six foot. I had one that was eight foot uh, because you wanted to reach out there where you thought the biggest of the fish were. Uh, And uh, as a little boy, I would (coughs) take that uh, six or eight foot pole and I would uh, bait it and I would hang it out there to hopefully catch the big one. And then somebody that I went fishing with came along with just a one-foot pole. I thought to myself, well, they'll never catch anything. What are they looking for, minnows with a one-foot pole? And I thought, this is going to be interesting. I can't wait to see how they're going to catch a fish with a one-foot pole. Little did I realize that the one-foot pole was an extension reel. In other words, it was a telescopic reel. If you had this pole, there was another little uh, pole inside this pole that you pulled out. And as soon as you pulled out, it doubled in size. And then it had another pole inside that pole. And you just pulled that pole out and it tripled in size. And before you knew it, he had about a six-foot pole too, five or six-foot pole. And, and, and then when he was finished, he'd just telescope it right back in, compact it one foot, and go home. With all the fish that he caught, by the way. He outfished me with that telescopic pole. I thought that's the secret. 
I've got to get a, I've got to get one of those. These big six foot long poles are a nuisance. I got to get one of these fancier ones that I can I can just take with me and 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 just pull out one section at a time. So these henna clauses are like a telescopic fishing pole. They're just one thought that leads to another thought that leads to another thought that ultimately leads to this thought. The first request. Look at it in verse number 16. That he would grant you, according to his riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit, watch this now, in the inner man. There are two, there, there, there are four concepts. One deals with strength. And it says to strengthen the inner man. I just moved some pictures from a place where I had piled old family pictures, portraits even. And I could not believe as I was moving some old family portraits, some of them over a hundred and probably fifty years old, I have a portrait of my great, great grandmother in this big bundle of pictures. One of the portraits that I moved from one location to another, I haven't touched these things in two years. They haven't hung on a wall in decades. One of them was a very large portrait. I almost bought it, uh, bought it. I almost brought it here tonight, but I thought you would think I was vain because it was one of myself. And it used to be, in fact, it's about the, almost the size. Of, it's about, I guess, two and a half, three foot tall and maybe two foot wide. And, and it was done in a studio. It was a portrait of me as a young, 25 years old, starting out. And I wanted to show it to you just because I knew you would look at it and you would say, uh-uh, that's not him. He doesn't look like that now, though I don't, 40 years later. And by the way, if I had a picture of you 40 years ago, you wouldn't look like you look tonight either. Now, something has happened, right? We've aged in this process. That's the outer man, however. And can I tell you that the outer man gets older and older. But when I was seven years of age, I came to the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted Him as my own personal Savior. And can I tell you that the inner man began to be strengthened that very night. And for over a half a century, the inner man has been strengthened in so many different ways that, that, that we can do that. In fact, the Bible has so much to say about strengthening the inner man. For example, you don't need to turn to these, but in Psalm 119 and verse number 18, the Bible says that the inner man can see. The spiritual man can see. Or how about Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 9? The inner man, the spiritual man can hear. Or how about this? Psalms 34 and verse number 8 The inner man, the spiritual man can taste. Or how about this? 
In Acts chapter 17, in verse number 27, the inner man can fill. Or 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 7 and 8. The Bible says that the inner man, the spiritual man, must be exercised. If not, the inner man becomes weak. Psalms 51 in verse number 7 says the inner man must be cleansed. Matthew chapter 4 in verse number 4 says the inner man must be fed. This is one you know, but I want you to see it again. Take your Bibles, keep your finger here in Ephesians 3, we'll come right back to it, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, you know this verse. Look at verse number 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse number 16 says this, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish. Absolutely, right? Yet the inward man is renewed day by Day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So the Bible says our inner man is to be renewed day by day. So, if I were to have brought that portrait, you would have said, boy, you're, you're, you are getting older. And you would be right. But if I could show you a spiritual portrait of me at age 7 to now age 65, the inner man, you would have said, wow, it's, you, there is a big difference. The Lord has worked in your life. Great things He has been doing in your life. And so Paul is praying that these Ephesian Christians would have their inner man strengthened. If you don't get this, you won't get the next thing that he's praying for. He knows how to pray. And let me just tell you this. You will see that uh, verse number 14 in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he also says that same phrase in chapter 3 and verse number 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, so something happens between verse 1 and verse number 14 that he sort of delays his prayer request. And what he does in these verses that lead up to verse number 14, again, he is expounding on all the things that we have when we come to know Christ as our Savior. Just amazing. And Paul is saying, you know what, it'd be a shame. In fact, it'd be a tragedy. In fact, it, it, it just wouldn't be right to be called a child of God and not to know everything that God has given us at our fingertips. What a waste of potential. And so Paul is praying. It's interesting that when he prays, Paul oftentimes 
most of the time, his prayer requests are not for physical needs, but they're for spiritual needs. In fact, if you see in uh, chapter, let's see here, chapter number 4 and verse number 7, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And did you know that he is going to go on and talk about verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Everything that comes out of Paul's mouth for these believers is about their spiritual condition. He's all about praying for people spiritually, their spiritual needs. And did you know why? Because that's really more important, believe it or not, than the physical. This physical part of us is only here for a short time. But this spiritual part of us lives all, off and on and for eternity. And so here's prayer request number one of this henna clause. That word henna, by the way, is the word that in verse number 16. You look that word up, it'll say H-I-N-A, henna, which means a connecting thought that leads to something else. Let's see what else it leads to. The first thought is that the inner man be strengthened with might by his spirit. And if you do that, then it leads to something else. In verse number 16, that, I'm sorry, in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. There are three key words that are mentioned here. The word dwell, the word rooted, and the word grounded. This is a thought that Paul, I think, is praying for. He wants them to have their inner man strengthened. And if they'll get their inner man strengthened, that will lead to this depth, this deeper experience with Christ, if you please. He says in verse number 17 that Christ may dwell, kataokio. Did you know that kata means down and okio means home? And if you put those two together, it would be down home. I'm a southern boy. I'm from down home. But this is a word where Christ may dwell. Question. Does Christ feel at home in your life? I know folks that They talk the talk, but I'm not so sure they walk the walk that they talk. If the Lord were to come to your house tonight, would he feel at home? Some of you would open the door and say, Lord, come on in. Have a seat in the living room. You're welcome here. If the Lord were to come in and take a seat in the living room, I wonder, would he be invited to the dining room? Well, surely he would. But let's say that he were in the dining room and... He said, you know what, you, uh, you, you've got your bedrooms down here at the other end of the house, is that right? Yeah. Lord, you're welcome anywhere in this house. 
So let's see him walk down the hallways of your house. I wonder if he got to the bedrooms. I wonder if there's any closets that you would say, Lord, listen, I've, I've showed you the living room. I've let you sit at the dining room table. I've let you look in to see the bedrooms. But I mean, my goodness, can I keep something to myself like a closet? Well, the Lord is at home in your house. There's nothing that you would hide from Him. That's what the word dwell means. Paul's prayer for these Christians at Ephesus is that the Lord would dwell, fill at home in their lives. And not only that, the second word is rooted. You know, you, you farmers know what to be rooted means. Every once in a while, I'll go on a crazy, crazy uh, spending spree when flowers are on, you know, half price or more. And I always look at those shelves where they put the, the flowers that are the weakest and the sickliest, and they might as well just almost give them away. In fact, the price of them is almost a giveaway. And I think to myself, I'll buy those, I'll love on those, I'll water those, and I'll plant those. And something usually takes precedent over those plants until I realize, uh-oh, Wait a minute, I've got to get those rooted. I've got to put them in the ground. I mean, you can only water them, so that's what they were doing at the, at the store. I, I've got to put them deep in the ground or they're going to perish. They're going to die. I've got to get them deep in the ground. One of my buddies plants tomatoes. <clears throat> he always has the best tomatoes. In fact, usually, uh, when, before he, uh, he sold his tomato fields, he, he would bring me a sack of potatoes, not, uh, potatoes, uh, tomatoes. Well, potatoes too. He, he, he grew those too. But I always look forward to that Sunday when I'd look up and there he was, an old brown paper bag, and it was filled with tomatoes. Oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. And then I finally thought to myself, you know what? I need to learn how to do a little bit of what you do. Can you tell me? How you do this? And he told me the the, the uh, tomato plant to purchase. He, he told me exactly what to do. And I had been doing it wrong. I had tried before, but with not as much success as he had. And I realized something. He said, you're not planting the tomato plant deep enough. You've got to root it. He said, in fact, those leaves on the bottom of the plant, just go ahead and pull them off. Because you're going to go deeper than where those leaves were. Put it down deep. If you don't go deep, it won't go tall. And then the other word is grounded. It's an architectural word. Builders know the most important part of a building is the foundation. You don't get the foundation right, everything else is going to be a mess. You've got to ground it. You've got to build the foundation. And Paul is praying that their inner man would be strengthened. If they'll strengthen their inner man, it will lead to being deep or deeper with Christ, which then leads to something else. Look at verse number 18. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know 
the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. There's the word know. That word means more than just knowledge, to apprehend. It literally means to seize, to grasp. Don't let it go. You say, don't let go of what? Well, it says the love of Christ. And can I tell you, since the inner man was strengthened, and that began over 50 years ago in my life, that has led to a deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus. I hope Jesus feels at home in my life today more than he did back 50 years ago. And I do know that I have rooted him in my life. He's deep and grounded. He's the foundation. And if I have that, that leads me to know his love. Can I tell you, the more I know about his love for me, the more I turn around and I love him back. I cannot comprehend. Your pastor eloquently shares the thought of the love of Christ with you week after week after week to the point it will move him to tears. The whole concept that God could love me, a sinner, condemned, unclean. Can I tell you there's one more area that we're going to get to? Paul is praying. I I want these folks to have the inner man strengthened so that they'll go deeper with Christ and understand and know about His love. If they'll know how much He loves them, they'll turn around and love Him back. And then look at verse number 19. That, that word that, again, henna, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Fullness. Fullness. Did you know to be full of something in the Bible most of the time means to be controlled by something? Paul is really praying that these believers would be so enabled, now that they've been enlightened with his prayer and his teaching in chapter 1, now he's turned around and said, Lord, here, it, it, may they put this into practice. May they have their inner man strengthened so that they can have a deeper relationship with you and appreciate your love for them. And then get to the point over here where the fullness of God controls everything they say, everything they do. Question, are you full of God tonight? Does He really control every area of your life? Moody said, I wanted to be so surrendered to God. Could you have that same prayer? Paul was praying for every believer to be so controlled by God. Now, here's that sounds good, to be controlled by God. But you'll never get controlled by God till you get, first of all, the inner man strengthened. And if you get the inner man strengthened, that will lead you to the next part. 
to have a deep relationship with Christ. And the deep relationship will turn into a love relationship. And the love relationship will lead you to say, yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Oh, and there's one more. That was his prayer request. But the whole purpose of it is found in verse number 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding. By the way, if all you heard tonight were these words, he is able to do. That'd be enough. We could go home happy with that one, right? I could shout over that for a while. But that's not all. That he's able to do exceeding. Get that. But that's not even all. That he's able to do exceeding abundantly. But that's not even it. Abundantly above. But that's not even it. Above all. I mean, he just goes on and on and on. That we ask. And then he goes on and says, or think. According to the power that worketh in us. And then verse 21 says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. All of this, strengthen the inner man. Go deeper with Christ. Have a love relationship second to none so that I can be fully controlled by God. And you put all that together, line it all up. Can I tell you something? It points right here to his glory and pulse. That's the kind of Christian I'm praying that those Christians in Ephesus will be. Will you? Brother Boer. Now let's stand together, shall we? Before we pray with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder, the message like this, what a, what a wonderful truth. To see the progression and how things 